One of the most famous and successful and popular British television programmes is Doctor Who. Doctor Who first aired in November 1963, the day after the assassination of JFK. The original classic series run lasted for an astonishing 26 seasons until it was cancelled in December 1989. After a bodge revival attempt in the form of a TV movie in 1996, the programme returned properly in 2005, starring Christopher Eccleston and spearheaded by Russell T Davis, the man behind hits of the time such as The Second Coming and Queer as Folk, and soon to be returning as showrunner, just in time for the 60th anniversary and the 14th Doctor. Through nearly 60 years on air, Doctor Who has become a television phenomenon, somehow appealing to mainstream audiences and science fiction fans alike. In this podcast, we shall be looking at the classic era of the 20th century and the modern-day incarnation that began in 2005, and anything in between. So I'd like to welcome everyone to the unofficial Doctor Who fan podcast. Whether you are a long-time Doctor Who fan or just getting into the show, we hope you enjoy the podcast. I am joined today by Adam and Theo. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Hello. So, to start off with, some sort of icebreaker questions. Uh, how long have you both been fans for, of Doctor Who for? Do you want to go first, Theo? Yep, sure. I, yeah, I've been a Doctor Who fan since... Two, I think I started watching the series in 2011, but I started watching it chronologically, so with Christopher Eccleston. With uh, New Who, by the way, so I haven't actually seen that much of old Who. Uh, well, we'll get into that distinction later. Um, yeah, so I actually, I was the same. I came into it with uh, New Who. Although the funny thing is, um, I I was born in the early nineties, and I had been aware of Doctor Who till about you know around the age of eight or nine or ten was when I started hearing about it. But um, some of my friends actually already had uh, some of the old episodes on VHS. I suppose their dad grew them up on it, but I didn't have that. Yeah, up. like during the wilderness years. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and um, I'd seen bits on TV when they'd shown them on like nostalgic programs and that, but I was very much um, the first full episode I saw was uh, Rose, but in at the start of the Eccleston era, definitely. So you're sort of the generation that had Doctor Who. I was when a, it wasn't. I'm a wilderness a fan. Yeah, you're yeah. you're sort of the generation of the wilderness years. Yeah. <laughs> generation yeah. in between wilderness. It, exactly. Fans. Yeah. I mean, there is. The fact that the wilderness years were split in two. You had the pre T V movie and the post T V movie, um, and you're presumably post T V movie. Um yeah, well I suppose um because the T V movie was nineteen ninety six, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And I, f- I think I've said this before, or at least I have to you, Harry, um that uh obviously I would have been around when it I guess it was broadcast on the BBC even though it was a Canadian production, but well, uh, it, it was the twelfth of May, nineteen ninety six. This is yeah, me. I'm, so, I remember the time. I'm not looking it up now. Yeah, but it was twelfth of May, nineteen ninety six, and the twenty seventh finally in the UK. It yeah, took a while. Well, was but I was um, not even free. I was just a few months off, uh, a couple months off free. So I, again, I wouldn't have realised it. The no. fir- first time I ever heard about Doctor Who in general was um, uh, there used to be a show called The Generation Game. I don't know if you've uh, heard yeah. of that. If no. your parents have told you. Um, it was presented by Bruce Forsyth for many years, but later on they got Jim Davidson, um, famous comedian, to present it, and they done a piece where Colin Baker actually came out and um, they showed you some of the props like uh, Dalek, K9, and a TARDIS. No, you you can, incidentally, you can find the um, actual clip on YouTube now. I found it oh, not wow. too long ago. That's 
That's pretty um, and uh, oh, they had to guess what do you think it would be valued at, at an auction and all this sort of thing. I think the TARDIS was the most expensive one. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, Go figure. <laughs> but that was the first time I because again I was watching it with my family and then my dad told me about Doctor Who and what it was and I didn't know what it was and that was my first exposure to it and. Um, I think even if you watch that clip, even Colin Bacon says he's frustrated how a lot of uh, youngsters at the time are being deprived of their doctor, as he put it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, but then I was like 11 when the New Who started, so I think it came along just nicely for me. I think it's quite interesting, though, because obviously I go into Doctor Who when it was kind of picking up steam, if you will. And in terms of getting into classic Doctor Who, I find it's quite... It will depend on who you know and who you're with and stuff, but I had to get into it myself. I had to decide... I. I want to watch Old Who, as I was calling it. No mm. one called it Classic Who then. So I suppose where in the show would be, and this is not just a classic question, this is a general question for Doctor Who, where in the show would be a good jumping on point for newcomers? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... Well, uh, personally, I feel like a jumping on point would be... Maybe David Tennant somewhere? Yeah, that's fair. Like, I would think so. I, I mean, it's easy to say Eccleston, but I, I think there hasn't been too much um, reference made to the Ninth Doctor. Really, it almost feels like a, you could almost feel it feels like a bit of a dream. Yeah. Really, it's almost forgotten about. Yeah, if I you mean, there was even I think a bit of debate for a long time whether the Eighth Doctor was canon because um, they hadn't really made any mention of it until um, not until the. Um, the, the next Doctor, I think, where until it was like a David Tennant season, I think, where yeah, they the did next acknowledge Doctor, it, yeah. or no, Human Nature, where they have his face appear in the uh, the diary. That was how long it was until we knew for certain that the Eighth Doctor actually mm. existed in that continuity. But then again, yeah. having said that, even if you did jump into Tennant. Um, if you start his first season, people are going to be confused. Like, why is she confused that his face is different? And then if you jump into the second yeah. season, there's people are going to yeah. say, well, who's Rose? They're going to be confused. So. In a way, yeah, true. there's I mean, never really an ideal point to get into Doctor Who. You have to... I think the best point in terms of age is when you're, like, a youngster because you're not aware of what you're getting into. I think if you get into Doctor Who when you're older, you're mm. potentially put off by all the decades of canon and continuity changes. Well, I'll give Davis credit where it's due. He, um, I think there was there was talks that I've heard later on whether they were going to have um, the regeneration thing explained at the beginning of um, uh, Series 1, if you will, not Season 1, because that's what they call it in the New Who series, don't they? Yeah, um, series. Uh, rather than Season, which is the old... Uh, well, that's old the distinction, two. isn't it? Classic um, Who's Season and New Who is Series. Yeah, yeah, but he was debating whether to have the regeneration almost be explained at the start, maybe even do an Eighth Doctor, but I think he said it would just confuse like, new fans, and like, c- yeah. certainly I, would, I think. What I read, or have heard about, is that one of the reasons why Rose was such a successful return for Doctor Who is that the TV movie did the opposite. So it starts off with... Uh, the TARDIS and then it starts with this old man and then they have a different guy narrating it and then he turns into somebody else and it is mm. if you think of the TV movie for someone who's never seen Doctor Who before which is what it was supposed to be getting people into Doctor Who it's horrible it's pretty fun to watch if you like Doctor Who now and I can watch it occasionally and think, oh, it's actually quite good but if you're trying to get into Doctor Who and you've never seen it before and you maybe have never even heard of it it's really bad actually I think because it's really confusing I mean to be fair I feel like Rose is probably a really good uh, companion to yeah. start off with in Doctor Who. Yeah, she's very for, down to earth. Yeah, for, for young people specifically, because... But she's not an alien or anything like that. No, but, like, Rose is a... Uh, well, she's a teenager. The character's a teenager. 
and I'm, that's trying to access itself into the audience. Yeah, it's mostly will be teenagers or eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, pretty good starting and point. She's, for and she's like fans. a working class person, isn't she? She works in a yeah, clothes exactly. department, don't she? Department which gets blown up. Yeah. <laughs> I find that funny that she meets the doctor and then within about thirty seconds he's blown up. And then yeah, she chaos follows the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what was he called? The um. Oh, Alan, I can't remember his name now, it sounds terrible. You know, the the man the he she meets in Rose. Um, um Oh, the one who yeah, the one who shows her the photo. Who has like a shed and yeah, it's like, that's really clever, it's that. one of your weirdos again. Oh you have a conspiracy nut. Yeah, yeah. Who was right as it <laughs> turned do you, out? Do you know, funnily enough, no, I was thinking the other day, um I haven't really watched like um a lot of well, the Capaldi and Smith episodes, so uh, forgive me if I've if they've already done it, but I was thinking. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet, where they've gone to the future and someone's actually come forward saying, "Oh, I've, I'm, you know, I've, I've found a lot of photos of you." Because I mean, like the amount of times he's been going back in history, you think someone by now would have photos. That's why a lot of well, people often say time travel will never happen because that nowadays we would be able to look back on footage to see if anyone's holding a phone to their ear. Yeah, and, and we haven't seen that yet, and people are like, "Well, it'll never happen." I mean, then, will to it? be fair, that technically it's never been officially addressed. But it does technically happen with River Song. I, I, if you, if well, River you know. Song's a, oh. I think, a really interesting character, actually. If yeah. you know who River that's, Song that's is. That's the later tenants, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, his, the tail end of his last uh, series, yeah. yeah. Um, um, really interesting I might character. have to rewatch that again. Cause what, what's I've, the uh, thoughts on spoilers? Are we delving into spoiler territory? Well, um, to an extent, yeah. I mean, generally, you can talk about Doctor Who, um, but for those listening who maybe getting into Doctor Who you know you don't want to give away anything major but you know okay. you, you get a bit of detail yeah it's just, I, I'm just I'm not sure how much detail I should we've go into about River's character we've touched upon regeneration is that a spoiler no I think regeneration's fine <laughs> I think that's, that's obvious now that's pretty integral to the whole being yeah. of the programme I mean I suppose as a now we've got into um, sort of good jumping on points for newcomers it's um, dawning on me because obviously we have you know Adam who's a bit into classic Who and we have Fear who's more uh, aligned to the new series generally speaking what is a good uh, new series episode uh, that would be a good avenue for someone who ha- who is a bit hesitant to get into the new series who might be more into the classic series oh uh, it would depend really because with classic who obviously it's filmed differently and, and it's a completely different era yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe depends m- which one you like from the old who if you well. have a familiar antagonist which would like be like a Dalek story perhaps or, or Sontarans yeah I mean the thing about the Sontarans is they haven't actually been used that much there's not very many Sontaran stories at all and actually for those who want to get into Classic Who do not start with the invasion of time because I don't think it's very good actually it'll put you off Classic Who for life uh, so start, <laughs> with, start with a different story uh, well, let me think um so I, I'm sorry, my memory. What was what are the name of those mannequins from the first? Uh, from uh, the Rose? Autons. The more. Uh, see, uh, the, I, I know what you're talking about. The mannequins. The, the Autons. Autons. Because I mean, if you think about it, when I think of them, they strike me as being something of a Pertwee era. But the fact that they he uh, Davis took a chance on them for the first series. I mean, that hooked me. If you know what I'm saying. So I think, I, that I think a, that was a very clever choice. Because nice the, the Autons. The movies. Autons don't look like they're very. You know. There's probably a word for it, but they're, they're the sort of monster that could exist in the real world. Was I think if he'd started with the Daleks or that—that's also you've done it too early. Um, well, I think the, the Orsons were very, and the Nesting Consciences were a very, very good choice to use. The Dalek episode was in the middle of 
Edison's yeah, for, yeah. And, they, and they said the reason they'd done that is because they were fearful that when a new series comes around when it reaches the midpoint people start zoning out a bit more I have so heard about that yeah, yeah. so, so they that, want to that's... bring it into yeah, see if, if they you... don't drift from it Plop a Dalek in, and the audience is instantly just interested again. <laughs> well, this is why I have an issue with stuff like Into the Dalek and Vich of the Daleks because they're Dalek stories that are too early, and we can we can talk about this. Are the Daleks classic? Who's probably less so, but I think they are actually quite overused in the new series because they do appear almost every series. There's only a few series where they haven't made an appearance. I was thinking that. I was thinking it almost becomes like a bit of a trend now that they have to see they that have to every Doctor has to have at least a Dalek in but their is first it, I mean, season. That's what happens when you become like the arch enemy of the Doctor, really. But is it a legal thing? Like, they have to appear, otherwise the BBC lose rights? Because I don't know if that's true or not. I've, I think it's not. Oh, that isn't God. true. Well, there's a, I don't know if you know, just going touching into old here, actually, which we haven't done yet. Um, I don't know if you know... Um, uh, the Daleks didn't actually make an appearance for six years between 1967 to 73 because... Yeah, yeah, because um, Terry Nation wanted to create a Daleks oh, Terry, uh, Nation, Terry Nation, who created them, who was the writer for the uh, first uh, few Dalek serials in the show's history, um, he wanted to create a Dalek spin-off show in America, you see, and to do that, he had to then um, say, oh, I have the rights to them. Well, I think I, I, there was probably some complication at the time. I don't, won't go into yeah. it, but... He basically said we have to pull them from the show so I can go do this other show, and then yeah. so for six years they weren't in it. I mean that sounds a bit um, unheard of now. It is, it? Yeah, it's a bit but, crazy. But <laughs> do you think it, six years about a Dalek now? That it's really interesting because you lose your audience. It's not just the um, the Daleks actually, because the Cybermen appeared in 1968's The Invasion. They then appeared in 1975's Revenge of the Cybermen, which isn't very good, and then they appeared in 1982's Earthshock. So there are only three Dalek yeah. stories over the span of you know not that far off you know 20 years really yeah uh, and then they had a bit of renaissance in the 80s but that those are three Cybermen stories over a really long span you know it's i think maybe classic was more i do wonder interested. sometimes if uh, the old series were struggling a little bit how to work out the Cybermen because i get the feeling that they knew they're not as well they, they want to get them on as par, on par with the daleks but they're a bit kind of like limited because like the Dalek have so much more earthbound, well, out of this world appeal whereas that you can at times tell the Cybermen are men wearing tinfoil or whatever. They are quite hard to do and that's why I think the the Cybermen story, I don't know if you've both seen it, I think Theo probably has, the Cybermen story from series 2 in the parallel universe. I think that was a very, very good story at trying to modernise the Cybermen because they don't look really silly but also I think they, Russell T. Davis didn't write it but obviously he was the showrunner at the time he decided to put it on a parallel universe to avoid any kind of continuity yes. clashes with the original run. Well, they've brought back the Mondas uh, original ones lately, haven't they? With Capaldi, yeah. And they've gone back to the old, um, where the huge sock on their head, you know, and... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We do talk! Like, that's how they sound like that. Well, yeah, I think talk. those I mean, Cybermen in the Time Planner are actually I mean, quite creepy, really. Part of the appeal yeah, of I the Cybermen in uh, Series 2 uh, of New Who was, yeah, yeah. It was the voice, really. It, it just sounded so metallic and emotionless it's really interesting because the Cybermen in um i mean it's a generalization because there's so many different types of Cybermen. but the Cybermen in classic who mm. are a human body wrapped around metal basically yeah basically whilst yeah. in yeah. new who they take the brain out and they pop it in see i kind of like the that difference. I, I like, like how they change things up a bit it's well, exciting it's just that in the old series they obviously had a limited budget and i think they probably knew yeah he's gonna look like men in tinfoil and scuba diving <laughs> it does outfits. look so they took that sort yeah. of context and gave a sort of explanation for it and i, I like that more because even if you watch um 
10th planet. I think the moon base as well. You'll listen to the way they talk. They don't really talk kind of all like a Dalek. They say, they talk a bit more colloquial, if you know what I'm saying. Like It's almost poetic. Like I they, mean... they say yes and of course and all that sort of thing. I mean, thing. There's, a, there's more humanity perhaps in the classic Cybermen. But actually, potentially, more on the subject of classic E, which is its own monstery thing. Yeah. Is there a... <laughs> Is there a classic series serial you would recommend to someone like Theo Ooh. to get into who hasn't seen the classic series? Yeah, well, that's difficult because, again, uh. for some people, um, Hartnell era is different from Troughton era, but then Pertwee era is different from... It is difficult. I mean, I actually think a very accessible I, I part would... of Classic Who is actually Pertwee. I think I, you could get into I, season 7 I, I or season 8. I was literally going to say, I think if you... If you want black and white, if you can handle, because a lot of people nowadays are a bit like, oh, black and white's boring. But for me, <laughs> it adds more of a film noir to it. It is. You know, it's more I creepy. Mean, I guess that's true, yeah. It's and very hit and miss, some of the I black would and white say stuff. my top three, and bear in mind these are the ones that still exist, because a lot of them from that period are missing, as we touched upon. I'd say um, if you want the best Hartnell one, I would go for... Um, uh, honestly, do you know what? A lot of people say, oh my god, you're serious, look, this one. But I'm going to say, I would actually say the War Machines, to be honest. Yeah. A lot of people are a bit. That's, that's, I mean, there's Dalek ones to choose from. There's. Um, uh, what else is there in the Hartnell There's Dalek ones, and well, there's a few others. But well, don't, don't, the don't start with. The, the, reason, the, re, the reason with I choose the War Machines, though, is because it's set more um, in the present time, in 1960s yeah. London. It, Something like that right, itself yeah. has a character to it. And also because they're these massive machines and people say, oh, they look stupid. Well, it's all also only a four-parter because I think a lot of people are put off by the fact that some stories are quite lengthy. Yeah, the early ones are like seven episodes long for each However, story. How long is an episode for a uh, classic? Yeah. Well, they're 25 well, minutes in length, um, but they're divided up. So they do like a story and it's divided up into, into you know, parts. episode parts. Yes, exactly. And okay. so some would be seven parts, ten parts in case the war games. Don't start with that one. Um, <laughs> and in the Dark Master Pans, 12 parts. Exactly, long. there are some very wow. lengthy ones. But also, occasionally, they basically run out of money and they had to make a really short one. So you have like Edge of Destruction, which is two parts, The Rescue, which is two parts, The Centaur mm. Experiment, which is two parts. I would just say, though, going back to what I said, if it fully existed, which it doesn't, there's only three parts of it that exist, the Dark Master Pan would probably be my recommendation because listening to it on the audio, which we'll get to in a minute, is also good. Um, but I'd say, honestly, the War Machines. Some people go, oh, that's not one of the best. I honestly wouldn't say um, Boo to a Goose. I'd give it a chance. Uh, and then there's also um, The Chase, which is really good. That's a Dalek one. The Chase one. is quite comedic, though. I think if you're put off by potentially stopping a bit grim, start with The Chase, actually. It's fun. Mm. I mean, I, I don't mind dark But then we'll uh, go and... Well, then if you don't mind gritty stuff, I actually you could start with The Dark Invasion of Earth, because we'll that's go... quite grim. Well, they go into Troughton's, no. Troughton's got a lot of good ones. Again, a lot of them are missing. Tomb of the Cybermen? But I'd say Tomb of the Cybermen is good. Uh, the Mind Robber, definitely check out The Mind Robber. The Mind Robber's pretty... Yeah, I I would I, I'd recommend that just for the hilarity and how weird it is. Well, it's out of this world. It's through dimensions. It's another plane of existence, exactly. Uh, and uh, I, I was going to say the war games. But again, the war games is like ten parts long, so it's whether you want to sit for that long. But that's not too bad. That I mean, one. as just as an aside, Ad, enemy of the world, enemy of the world is brilliant. brilliant. But as an aside, I do would like to stress that you don't have to watch these stories in one sitting. You don't have to sit down and watch you know the war games for two hundred fifty minutes. You can you know take breaks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. With um, any, any show, really, because they weren't breaks. what they weren't designed to be. Well, they weren't designed to be rewatched, but they definitely weren't designed to be rewa- uh, to be rewatched in one whole sitting. Mm. Um, so that's something to definitely bear in mind. But then also, just to finally just wrap up on this topic, and then if but then we go into the color territory. If you think, oh, I want color as more like, more accessible, more Pertwee, yeah. Pertwee episodes to check would be. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. The Daemons or the Demons? Daemons. 
Daemons. Well, they're from the planet Daemons. Daemons. So the Daemons... Day of the Daleks is quite an um, interesting one to get into. Yeah, I'd say... Um, uh, what was the other one? Um, the Monster of Peladon. Yeah, it's Curse of Peladon as well. Or Curse of Peladon, sorry. I mean, what I would recommend, actually, if you're getting into Classic Who, pick a story that is, is between four and six parts, so not too long, not too short. And pick one that ideally is a returning foe that you're familiar with. So pick a Dalek story or something. Okay, a Dalek or a master, story or... or master story, you know. Cyberman. Or, or if you want to go full whack, um, but also not too long, you could watch The Five Doctors, because if you're familiar with the concept of a multi-doctor story, then you could watch that. And last one I will say for the Pertwee are also um, Inferno. Oh, that's a great story. Inferno's really, good really as good. well. Sounds... Very hot. Mm. It is actually. <laughs> and unique, I mean, unique thing about Pertwee era as well. A lot, of, all the episodes are based on Earth. They're all Earth based because again, yeah. I, when there are some, they're in space. Okay. I mean, the first Pertwee story I ever saw, and this is such a weird one to think. This is the first Pertwee story I ever watched. The first Pertwee story I ever watched was The Mutants, um, oh, yeah, which I got for Christmas one year, and it's very, very good. What I would say is that the Pertwee era does go go through phases, and um, I think. Almost worth getting into Classic Who, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard with your eyes shut, and the dart will hit a picture of a Classic Who story. Just go for it. I yeah. wouldn't be too Take hesitant about... Or I mean, obviously don't get into one that's like... The, the War Games is great, but it is very lore-heavy, so don't you know, don't start with those sort of ones. That's why I wouldn't recommend start with Genesis of the Daleks, because that's quite a big story to get into, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, is there a particular... I mean, we've obviously, to an extent, talked about, like, Doctor Who monsters that are overused, like the Daleks, but are there any Doctor Who monsters besides the Daleks that you w- would, wouldn't mind not seeing for a stretch? I'd like to see more of the Ice Warriors, to be honest. You wouldn't mind seeing more of them? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, there was supposed to be a sixth Doctor story with the I Ice mean, to Warriors. Be, to be quite honest as well, there's a lot of um, monsters and robots from the old Who, the, I mean, like again, the Hartnell and the Troughton period, which I guess at that period they were almost going to experiment and see what stuck to the wall, <laughs> and obviously the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Autons, yeah, they stuck exactly, to the wall. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting if they actually went back into a lot of those. They, I think a lot of the time they'd probably go, oh, they failed, oh, they're outdated, they looked silly, but... but I, the Ice Warriors are a bit like that in that you look at them in the old episode, they're in those big clumpy suits, but I think they sort of modernised them a bit and made them a bit more um, serious. And I think they could do that with some of the yeah. uh, old ones. I mean, the, for example, there's one alien in the old series uh, in a Hartnell ep- um, serial called The Ark. Oh, yeah, uh, I watched the that monoids, recently, yeah. The Monoids, and the funny thing about them, they wear these big, like, Beatles haircuts <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> over yeah. their face, and then the uh, actor in them is holding, like, a golf ball or a ping-pong ball in their mouth, and they man- manoeuvre it with their tongue for the eye. We've got to get creative. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I do think that, um, like, what I find interesting about New Who is they, it's like they make the prop, they make the costume, or the whatever, um, and then they think, okay, we have to use them now. So they did the Zygons for Day of the Doctor, and it was like, oh, well, we spent all that money on Zygon costumes. Oh, we have to use them. I, it just yeah, feels... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a whole opinion on, on the Zygon's appearance in Series 9, but uh, I that's mean, something else. One alien I would love to see more of from Nuhu is uh, the Slovene. Oh, yeah. Do oh, yeah. you, you know the Slovene? Yeah. yeah they're the brilliant farting aliens. F- farting aliens with big googly eyes and just well, they, oh, yeah. they'll like open, turtles a little bit they'll they're, open they're, your head and then use your body as clothes <laughs> they are very you could do much darker stuff I think the uh, not the Silurians they're different the Slovene are interesting because they were only really used in the um, in series one 
Uh, and the Sarah Jane Adventures, but in Doctor Who, they haven't really been used since Boomtown, which I find quite odd because yeah. they're quite a. Oh really? Yeah, they yeah, haven't they been have, used for ages. Because I, I mean, I know we hadn't had them for a while, but I, I always just had this. Oh, I'm sure they'll come up again because I, I, I say I haven't really watched much Capaldi or Smith, but I kind of assumed. That... No, they never appeared during those oh, eras. They, they, ages. They, that. they never even showed up during the. Um, they're a series one thing. The, then. The David Tennant never met them. I think it's yeah. maybe it's because they were so centric to that single Eccleston series. They thought, well, we won't use. Maybe that's why they haven't opted to use them since, or maybe because they're too silly with all the farting. Too and they comedic. Put, they put them <laughs> on the CBBC spin-off instead. I don't know. Yeah. I never watched uh, Torchwood for the record. I, ne- I never watched. Oh well, that, yeah. Well, we won't. We don't. Need to be, well, Torchwood's good, but we don't need to. Yeah, no, no. Also, just on the side, Sarah Jane's uh, adventures were great. Yeah, they were really. I mean, properly, you know, good stuff. I only watched yeah. the pilot of those. I didn't. I would. Genuinely, I mean, it is a bit odd watching a kid show when you're not actually a kid and you're not really the target audience. But I would kind of mm. recommend watching them because there is genuine. I'm not just saying this. There is genuinely good writing in there, and they managed to make something that really on paper didn't sound great, and they managed to make it work across several series and tell good uh, good stories. I mean, there are some clunky episodes, but there aren't really any shows that don't have a few dodgy episodes. Mm. Um, yeah. So we've we've now sort of we've done you know, we've done returning monsters we've done Kataku new who and a little about missing episodes. Is there a because we're approaching the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, which is obviously oh desperately word. exciting. Is there <laughs> a favourite multi-doctor story, and also which doctors who haven't met together would you like to see interacting? Uh, <laughs> Bit of a big question. Obviously. Yeah, it is actually. Um, well, I, to be quite honest, I'd, I'd like Christopher Eccleston to meet with uh, some of the newer doctors because I mean, I think they were trying to get him for day of the doctor. Yeah, they the did. Doctor, yeah, but they when he made it clear, no, I'm not doing it. That's when they had to bring in the yeah, war doctor. Interested. He met Stephen Moffat. Um, I don't think he'll ever do it, but I, that, no. if in an alternate round, I could just click the finger and he'd happen. I, I would. That do. would be the one doctor I'd like to see come back for something. It would be properly weird to see the ninth doctor as played by Chris Ruxman with a leather jacket and everything like that on set in Wales interacting with <laughs> Matt Smith or whoever the force or David Doctor Tennant or, or David Tennant or I David think he should David Tennant his follow up yeah definitely. it would be I mean David Tennant's willing he's full of beans and <laughs> I mean David Tennant in terms of Doctors who will come back for the 60th I'm comp- I have no idea the only one I think who will is probably David Tennant because he gets on with Rossity Davis and Eccleston obviously doesn't famously because um, I suppose Davis may produce it by the time that rolls around, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. That will probably yeah, be the first sure episode of his new era that will go out. Yeah. yeah. It's, um... I'll tell you one thing, though. I mean, a lot of the... I mean, like, McCoy and Baker and Davis, and they'll probably say, oh, we're too old to play now. I mean, couldn't they just play, like, a... A cameo or... Well, a ca- not even a cameo. Or play just another like character. A supporting cast in it, yeah. I wouldn't... I genuinely... And you could almost kind of work in this subtle hint like they did with Tom Baker as where the curator, could... where he could yeah. he well, could be an old version of the fourth Doctor, but then you're not too sure if he is. Well, I wouldn't mind if... Um, I know this is a different topic, and it is itself extremely controversial, but in The Last Jedi, Mark Hamill oh, no. plays another character besides... Yeah. He plays, like, this droid in there, like a CGA voices it or whatever. So yeah. what if they could do something like that for the 60th, where you could get Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker uh, and Peter Davison, and Tom Baker, if he's physically up for it, who knows, But and Paul McGann, and you could get them together um, and play other characters who look nothing like their doctors, and you could just have them credited in like an anagram of their names, and you can get someone, oh wow, look, Tom Baker was in it, but yep. it's an anagram of, you know, I think that'd be quite a lot of yeah, fun. Uh, It'd be a nice that. tribute. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like a little so. Easter egg. And it would surprise the fans, who, all, all the fans as well. It'd be, so. I th- it's tricky, I think, as time marches on, I think it's getting harder and harder to use classic doctors, yeah. and I think 
the 50th may have been that last opportunity because now we're getting to a point where, you know, Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker are knocking on an 80. Tom Baker's way too old. And Peter Davison's really the only one who might be able to come back. Oh, and Paul McGann as well, if you include him. I think he's 88 now, Tom Baker. Yeah, he's 88. So there aren't really any classic doctors, aside from Paul McGann, if you include him as a classic doctor, and Peter Davison. They're like the only two who could feasibly show up. Paul McGann, I'd like to see again have more opportunity, though, because again, I, I still feel like even though he's done a lot of big finish stuff, and obviously he had his oh, yeah, big finish, yeah, moment in the spotlight with Night of the Doctor, I still think he could do more on screen, though. I still, I think I, he's, a, I think he'd be up for it. He's a he? very good actor, and he definitely, yeah. he definitely be up for it. Yeah, there's no question about that at all. And um, I think that um, I really did enjoy Night of the Doctor, though, when that was released mm. for the fiftieth. I don't know if we've both seen that. Um, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was Sounds exciting. It was, yeah. I mean, you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. It was um, it's a kind of lead-up, yeah. really, to Day of the Doctor. I've heard, if I don't know if this is true, that it was supposed to be part of Day of the Doctor as, like, the kind of um, pre-title sequence. Oh, yeah. And then it kept leaking. Like, little snippets of it kept leaking. So they thought, right, well, we'll just we'll have to just release it online as its own little thing. So <laughs> there is a version, perhaps, on, like, a hard drive somewhere where... You know, Paul McGann is technically in Day of the Doctor. I think that would have worked better to be honest. Now you've said that actually, because um, I mean, for yeah, many people maybe. they might say, "Well, who's that?" But then they could have then it might have been explained later on. I, I don't know. It would have been a nice reveal. I do think it's it's quite interesting to think of how they'll do the 60th this year because you've got all the elements of all oh, the class doctors are pretty old now, which new who Doctor will come back because mm. Peter Capaldi doesn't seem like he'll come back. Um, Matt Smith hasn't said very much. Um, and he's probably quite busy. So really, the only one who could come back is David Tennant again. And then who's the 40th Doctor? And there are still... I mean, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it is interesting how when we went to the 50th, we knew, oh, it'll probably be Matt Smith. There was a degree of certainty. Whilst going to the 60th, we have no idea if they'll even do a multi-Doctor one at all. I mean, there are some uh, people on the internet basically saying that the the multi-Doctor as an idea has kind of had its day, and we should do something new for the 60th. Hmm... Uh, you mean like the peak of it has kind of passed? You yeah, know? I mean, who, you, could always, you can always do it, but at the same time, all the older fans will still be a bit like mm, the what, old. What about yeah. if instead of doing a multi-doctor episode, do multi-enemies, like all of the Doctor's past enemies? I mean, yeah, they could do that. I mean, I think that's potentially what because it's a time travel show. And what I'd be I a find, lot to fit in though. Why? <laughs> okay, well, all the iconic ones. Well, what I find interesting is, is how little it's. I know it's a TV show and it's not. It's not real. But um, it's how the Doctor keeps meeting the say, like, but also how he meets the Daleks and the Cybermen and the Master sometimes. But in like chronological order, like the River Song character seems to be the only character that the Doctor's met out of sequence, apart from Bernie Summerfield in the in the spin-off novels. But there aren't many characters he meets out of order, and I definitely do that way more often if I was running things. Mm. It's just a weird little trait of the program, I think. Yeah. Well, it's probably just the case. That's the case when you with that production order. And then when that translates to a chronological order, because they don't want to get it, make it too confusing. Well, I suppose so. You've got to balance the casual viewer with anoraks like us. So, um, can I say one thing as well, just before we move on to the next bit? I was just going to say as well. I was thinking, um, 
I almost feel like do we see enough episodes where they actually almost bring a sidekick back from the past, um, like, and you see them in their older form? Because I mean, you know, they've done it with Elizabeth Sladen, I know, yeah. and um, I think they've brought up one well, or two they brought others. back Joe Grant. And Joe Grant. Yeah. But I think it would be nice just because, like, Fraser Hines, for example, who was yeah, he'd um, be great, Patrick yeah, Trowell. I think it'd be great if um, like they went back yeah. to the Highlands when he his character originates, right? And you see an older Jamie McCrimmon as like a like yeah, the leader be, of his clan or whatever. I think that'd be I good. Mean, I think I th- so much potential. There. Yeah, there's a lot to do there. I think there are certain um, characters. Fraser Hines, seventy-eight, for the record. Yeah, I mean he's he still looks. I mean, so long as someone looks recognisable, still, I don't think there's inherently a problem. I do think that it's difficult though because there's some characters that everyone's going to want brought back. So they'll want they're going to want Rose brought back, which I think I'm probably against because I feel like we've seen too her, much of her. To her be characters had her day. I mean, you know, that's just the truth. Yeah, I will say one thing Plus as well. Rose is kind of in an alternate you, yeah alternate she is pretty much. it'll break uh, so many rules to bring yeah, her back speaking of Rose I just got another question how how did you feel about because I think a lot of people myself included leading up to the 50th anniversary were under the impression that oh she's going to come back as Rose Tyler but then instead we got this alternative bad wolf sort of version of her and I, I was, I was yeah. just a bit I was a bit mixed about it. I was like oh, I, can't we just I have pro- her as Rose I to actually be um, I, I don't didn't know like about, that well I, like I don't that. know really yeah, I, I quite like that because I think Did Rose you? the character the, the, the story with the Rose is done so to do the bad wolf character I think kind of was alright I liked it yeah I just wouldn't. Well, I mean, I know her, her story is done, but it could have just been a little like scenario like they've just been plucked out of that. Um, I think Steve Moffat's you know? yeah. percept. Steve Moffat's logic for that was basically that Rose had had her day, and he didn't want to add to the Rose character in any way. So he Fair wanted enough. to do. So instead, he just wanted to bring back the iconic words. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But even though she had a story that didn't stop um, Davis for giving their one last cameo just before Tennant resigned. <laughs> I mean, that I yeah, yeah, I do find that. That was a bit. I, I find oh, come on. the end of time is such a weird story. It is. I like it. <laughs> the, the bit where the Doctor meets all his former companions, though, is perhaps one of the most self-indulgent parts of Doctor Who I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he said goodbye to his companions perfectly well in Journey's End, and I don't mind a few specials after that, especially Water Mars, which is a fantastic. I mean, for those who haven't seen Water Mars, you have got to watch that. Yeah, it's great. But the end of time, it's not as I used to hate it. I went for a period <laughs> where I thought this is rubbish. And then I rewatched it last year or the year before because Timothy Dawson's in it, and I rewatched it. Yeah, he's good. And it's the first part is pretty good. Although I remember in 2009, even then, thinking that the master telling himself into every human being was a bit ridiculous. And then the second part was good, but it finishes about half an hour too early. And I remember thinking when I watched it for the first time when it aired, I thought, oh, they're going to come back in a minute because the episode's like half an hour left. And no, they didn't come back. It was just thirty minutes of the Doctor being sad, yeah. and it was really quite self-indulgent. I, don't to go. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do think in classic Who, I don't want to, you know, I do like the new series, but in classic Who, when a Doctor is about to regenerate, they just do. It's just yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, just clip my fingers. It's a, it's a thing that just happens. They have an adventure. There's a few stories where they build up to, I guess, there's Planet Spiders. Logopolis, I think, is the first regeneration story to really build up to the fact the Doctor's going to die yeah. soon. Well, you got your wish in I the mean, end, didn't you, with uh, Smith going into Capaldi? He just went whoosh and he Yeah, got exactly. It. He sneezed. Well, no, I, I wasn't a fan of the whole, um, and you can't see me, but I'm going to do the finger thing, restart mode, where he goes back into his, you know, young Matt Smith v- v- mode before <laughs> it happens. That was a bit, come on. I do think that it's. <laughs> This, I don't know. I think that the regeneration stories uh, are very hard to do. I won't say, you know, it's all well and good us sitting here saying, oh, well, I like this story, or I hate this one. It is probably quite hard to write a regeneration story because you have to wrap up 
an it's entire a transition. Doc- exactly. It's difficult to do, and you have to do it in a way that's fresh. And we've all blooming seen a regeneration. Even those who don't watch Doctor Who have seen one. So yeah, it's a staple. It's 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 identifiable. I actually think the best regenerations are probably the ones when they didn't really know what regeneration was. I.e. Uh, you know, Hartnell to Troughton, Troughton to Pertwee, Pertwee to Baker. Those are the best ones, I think, because... Well, actually, I like Peter Davison to Colin Baker because it's like an LSD weird oh, yeah. kaleidoscope. It's visually so amazing. Have you seen that? I mean, personally, one thing that I did like about um, Tennant's regeneration to Matt Smith was uh, it was the TARDIS blowing up. Yeah, I really did like that. <laughs> I do think there's certain visual uh, pleasures, if you will, that the new series can do that Classic Who couldn't do. Uh, although, actually, in Classic Who, the TARDIS does get ru- ruined quite a lot as well. Just not blown up. It gets shot at quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> like in Attack of the Cybermen. Attack of the Cybermen, actually, I, I do... I, I, if you want to get into something really bonkers, watch Attack of the Cybermen, because the cliffhanger is absolutely bonkers, and the Cybermen are just there. I mean, how scary is that for a viewer in 1985, um, thinking the TARDIS is a place of security, and they're just there. Um, but that is a complete bonkers... It's just a mental story, Attack of Simon. It's just insane, frankly. It's one of the weirdest Doctor Who stories I've ever seen um, across 16 years. I mean, I suppose, in terms of multi-doctor stories, you have, obviously, the three Doctors, um, which I think is quite good. Um, and then you have the Five Doctors. Now, the Five Doctors is... Uh, I would also recommend this for those who uh, haven't seen Classic Who. Because despite the fact it's an anniversary story, it is weirdly quite accessible. Once you get over the fact, or get used to the fact, that there are multiple Doctors and regeneration's a thing, it's actually quite easy to watch, I think. Because the Doctors don't... Although, actually, the Doctors don't interact with each other, except in the last ten minutes. So it's like, you go to you go from Pertwee's adventure to Richard Herndall's adventure... To Peter Davison adventure. So they split. Uh, yeah, split it's like a weird. It's a. It's a. I don't know. Classic Who is a very different entity to New Who. That's how I put it. Mm. So edited, edited differently. It, it's it's just completely. Di- I mean, it, the only thing that really links it are a few visual things like the TARDIS being blue, and it's called Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> there isn't that much linking it together. I would almost treat it like a separate show. To I be do honest. actually. Not, not entirely wrong. I mean, you're, you're kind of wrong there. The intro. <laughs> oh, well, the, in- the intro, I guess the music, yes, the music is still there. But I think the thing is that, that, that Rossi T. Davis took Doctor Who and it needed modernising. If you look at those later, uh, sort of the mid to late 80s, you're like, it can be good, but Doctor Who needed modernising. And if anything, that 16-year mm. hiatus, apart from the TV movie, obviously, the 16-year hiatus did ultimately do good Doctor Who, do Doctor Who more good than harm. Because uh, it was able to come back reinvigorated with a new modern purpose. And I was going to say, actually, one thing again. I, 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 I haven't watched it for a while. So whether they, he, he or she does it to this extent uh, anymore. I used to think he pulls out the sonic screwdriver so much. Like he does. as soon as he hears yeah. a noise, he pulls it out, and it's like yeah. it's almost I mean, like he's almost like a lightsaber to him now. It it? Whereas in the old days, yeah. they just pulled it out if they needed it. It's, for it's just basic. doesn't work on wood. Don't use it on wood. Yeah, that's. I, I, I like <laughs> that's one of the few recurring gags in Doctor Who that I actually don't get bored of. I really I like that joke a lot. It's it's, quite, it's funny um, that this technologically advanced tool doesn't work on wood is is <laughs> never it just is funny. I mean, I remember there was one of the Christmas episodes in uh, Matt Smith's era, and uh, they're on a planet of uh, basically a forest, and the aliens are made out of wood. That and is, the Doctor's like that episode. Sonic. I mean, that oh, no. episode is so. 
I don't know. I think the Matt Smith Christmas specials are a bit of a mixed bag. I tell you what, his first Christmas special with Michael Gamble and the Christmas Carol is really, really good. Um, but after that, I don't really know if his Christmas specials have quite the same standard. Mm. Um, the problem with Christmas specials ultimately is that they're written... Uh, well, they're not very good, effectively. And I had I read some theory that everyone's so full of turkey and stuffing and all this Christmas <laughs> food that they, when the Doctor is on, they can't reach for the remote. So everyone thinks those specials were really, really good because so many people tuned in. When actually, when you're sobered up and you're not full of turkey and, and you know stuffing and potato, you actually realise the episodes aren't that good at all. Um, uh, I do my guilty pleasure for Doctor Christmas is probably Voyage of the Damned. I, I weirdly quite like that one. Oh yeah, the Titanic one. It's, yeah. uh, we watched that last yeah. uh, December, didn't we? Have yeah, we society, did. It's yeah. um. Oh, were you, were you there at that? Yeah, one? I was. Yeah, well, no, we didn't pick it in the end. We didn't vote for that one in the end. Actually, oh, we did watch it. Actually, it was on the list. Uh, later but it one, is, we did watch it. It's a. Str- it's a. <laughs> Just a bizarre episode. The I, fact forgot, they I forgot how much I liked it. I'm, when I'm, that was my first time watching it since 2007, when it originally went out. I, I I enjoyed it. I remember why I, you know, I think as a kid I was just a bit more, you know, you don't watch it until the second time around with a different perspective. Yeah. I actually found I liked it more than I remembered. It is, yeah. yeah it's a very. Um, I know a lot of people don't think of oh, the Titanic. I, I didn't mind it. Again, I don't mind those occasional. I mean, it was Titanic in space. I, the visual, the visual it's bad, sight. silly, and then there's good sight. For me, that was good, silly. I think. I mean, the visual sight of having uh, the Titanic in space is just. I mean, it's just something else, isn't it? And actually, the CGI, considering it's now 15 years old or knocking on 15, it does look pretty good. The CGI, I think. Yeah. I mean, the CGI in Doctor Who is pretty inconsistent. I find it weird how there's some CGI that looks horrible, mm. that's like brand new, and it still looks ter- and it looks terrible immediately. And there's some CGI that's good. I mean, series one, fair enough, has the dodgiest CGI because it's the newest, it's the oldest series, so you know, um, used to be expected. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, exactly. But Voice of the Damned has pretty nifty CGI. You just got me thinking of the um, what? Well, the worst effect I've seen in the new series, which is incidentally from to a lot of people the worst episode of New Who and that's Love of Love and Monsters you know oh, with the Absorber yeah. love with Peter Kerr um, oh. I'll just tell you before I get into what I was talking about I actually missed that when it originally went out you see it was out it, I think it went out in like June 2006 I was on holiday at the time because yeah. yeah. I I, I'd, that was you know David Tennant's first uh, series I'd loved what he'd done up to that point and I was a bit gutted that, oh i got to go away for two weeks on holiday and not going to because you got to remember this is before iPlayer and YouTube t- really took off 2006 so um, I thought, oh, I'm going to miss it. So then I, I ended up going on holiday. And when I came back, I said, so what did I miss? And a lot of people were kind of like not really wanting to talk. But I go, what? And, I, and then yeah. I and they said, oh, it was some uh, episode with Peter Kay. And I'm like, oh, Peter Kay was in it. And, I mean, and then I heard, I watched it a year later when BBC Three repeated it. And I thought, this is terrible. And the bit I was getting about the effect, it's the bit where he um, dissolves into that huge sludge at the end. It is one of the that strangest is episodes I mean, I've ever it, seen. It, it was a very different kind of Doctor Who episode because they were yeah. trying to make it less Doctor-centric. I know, I didn't like that. I do um, appreciate what they're trying to do. That was where appreci- um, he does those web, those web blogs, well, the blogs for the fan club. I, yeah, are so slow. If, if you want a good Doctor Light episode, there's Blink and there's Midnight. I, I did like the idea of the story. I, I liked the premise. But the execution? The yeah. execution was kind of sloppy. Yeah, I mean, he does end up being quite sloppy by the end of it, as it turns out. Um, just a puddle of goo. 
Yeah. And I ended up for the other record. I I also missed um, Fear Her the one following week as well, which a lot of people said, yeah, not Fear not her, the best. The one where they go to 2012 uh, for the uh, well, that episode's dated quite oh, badly. Yeah, now that 2012's was, in the past. Yeah, that's that's what what dated yeah. quite badly actually. That's well, not what's what a happened. bit like um, Emmy, Enemy of the World, the Troughton episode. That's that well, that's set in 2018. 2018. I, mean, I, yeah. I think I actually watched that episode in 2012. Oh. So it was very, <laughs> it was very weird. Contemporary. <laughs> it was very weird. It's very odd. Um, but it, I, it's just, I, I mean, Fear Her's pretty bad. But yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that Stephen Moffat was supposed to write the two-parter in Series 3, uh, and he couldn't due to writing the show Jekyll. So he said, I'll write the Doctor Light episode that nobody wants, because he obviously knew no one liked Love and Monsters. And then he wrote Blink, which is a really, really good episode. And then yep. the year after that came Midnight. So weirdly, Mid- Doctor Light stories went from being these really terrible things to being these really great things. Uh, and then you had Turn Left as well. Oh, no, not sorry, not Midnight. Turn Left is the Doctor Light one. Midnight's the Companion Light one. Um, Turn Left is very bleak. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Blink, I remember Blink being really good. Uh, I mean, Turn Left is pretty angles. depressing. Actually. It's just, I mean, London gets, like, basically nuked. That's what happens. <laughs> it is pretty... It's basically what if Doctor Who had no Doctor in it. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah basically it showed the Doctor... Well, he, yeah, died. It is... I mean, it really... Every time I watch Turn Left, it really does kind of throw me how bleak it is because it, it really it doesn't hold back i mean obviously it's a family show so they couldn't go too over the top but it does surprise me every time i watch it how far they actually went with turn left and would they <laughs> would they be able to get away with it now because it is positively dystopian uh, i don't know i don't i don't think it would me- mel mesh well today with audiences i mean it was very much of that era in this not in a it's dated way but as in if you watch it it builds up all these themes throughout the russell the first russell t davis era that is um which i think is quite interesting because it has like donna and it has her at the epicenter of it all i think it's a very nice episode um so hopefully he'll be able to produce stuff like that in the second russell t davis era which is obviously <laughs> on the horizon i genuinely can't go over the fact that he's coming back to Doctor yeah Marvel. i think it'd be, i think this hopefully will be a good new fresh start for it, it hopefully yeah it reminds it's me funny how chibnall's era didn't last very long did no it? it's only lasted no, a relatively short time and um i mean i find it the, the classic parallel you can uh, you can connect with the russell coming back is like when barry letts came back for season 18 um as executive producer it's not quite the same thing but that's the parallel you can draw mm. Um, from that. I mean, this is, we're kind of drawing to the end now, but uh, I suppose one final point would be, what are your sort of uh, general... What are your, your, your favourite stories, really? Uh, what are the ones you gain most enjoyment out of? Oh, I've touched Ooh. upon the ones I don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bit end on a positive I'll tell, tell you one thing, I, I, I'll just tell you that I can't be more blessed with the benefit of hindsight, how I went on holiday when the two worst episodes <laughs> of Tenant were on. And then I regretted watching them a year later on BBC Three. I'm like, yeah, I can see why. <laughs> I mean, I I can tell you my favorite, one of my favorite Tenant episodes was the uh, I, f- I forget the name. I'm terrible of names, but it had the devil in it. Oh, uh, the Satan Pit and the uh, Impossible Plant. Or well, the Impossible Plant, yeah, then the Satan something Pit. Something about the demon. Yeah, yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah, yeah, it was really with the good. black hole. Yeah, with the black hole and planets being pulled it's it's a classic it's really good interesting no one watched that because the weather was nice if you look at the viewing figures they were pretty poor um but (laughs) it was still it was a very very nice story very nice indeed yeah it was a two-parter and what's your uh, yeah what's your favorite story Um, adam 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm, uh, occasionally, episode titles stick with me. Some don't. What what was the name? What's the name of um, Rose's last one with uh, Oh D- Doomsday? Doomsday. I like that one to be honest. Um, I think you're probably going to the obvious reason because the Daleks and the Cybermen are in it they together. Meet. Yeah, yeah, they went. Well, they did yeah. these big. That's one I, of the I, I, when that went out, they did these big posters. Yeah. These, uh, these very extravagant posters. And fair enough, it's a great way of marking 40 years of Cybermen. It is a shame they get absolutely ruined by yeah. the Daleks. But, I mean, also the it's goodbye. Not a fair fight. Goodbye bit at the end with Rose and the Doctor is quite. Um, you know, heart touch, and I, I like it's that. It's quite emotional, um, yeah. Emotional and, the slight um, error in that. I was really how- built up to that at the time because I remember. She, I think, well, at the beginning, she says something like, oh, "I'm going to die" or something. I kind of, oh, is she going to die in this? And, I and think, she died in metaphorical. Yeah, way. yeah and I kind of, I kind of was a bit like, well, well, I wouldn't say underwhelmed, but I was a bit on the edge I mean, of my seat. Thinking, oh, what's going to happen? Not in? many companions do die, except of course, Katarina. no one, nobody's favorite Doctor Who companion. Andrick. Well, Katarina, so. <laughs> Katarina in the uh, William Hartnell. Yeah, she was killed. Although she only lasted for one or two episodes. I mean, the most the most prominent uh, companion dying is probably Adric. Um, who, by the way, for those who don't know who Adric is, he's one of the most irritating Doctor Who companions ever. <laughs> he never stops whinging or complaining, and then he dies in a blaze of glory. Um, really? I mean, a lot of people. I thought a lot of people thought Rose was annoying. I mean, I've, if you of... think if you think Rose is annoying, then you should watch any story of Adric. Because what's funny is that when Adric or Matthew Waterhouse, the uh, the actor, yeah, he joined at a time when Tom Baker just didn't care about Doctor Who. No, you can really tell. You they can tell did in the not... last. It was John Nathan Turner's. And then he kind of got on with Peter Davison, but unfortunately, by season nineteen, they had too many companions, and the poor old companion that got shafted the most was Adric. So. Uh, yeah, Adric doesn't get a ton of screen time, and when he does show up, he's complaining about something. So, there we are. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but yeah, Doomsday, I would say, definitely. I mean, not only that, because also, I'd, I'd, um, ha- I'd, I think this was, when was it, July 2006, when yeah, it went out? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it might... I think it might have been around my birthday, actually. I just remember that week just being like, you know, school was either come to the end of that, and you think the summer's fine here, and, then, and there was something about that episode... Not, Apart from the obviously the reasons I've already touched upon, but I liked that one actually. Um, and that must have been a great birthday present. And what? <laughs> yeah, what? Summer two thousand six was good. And what is your favourite uh, classic serial? Uh, oh well, I said about the War Machines. I'm having no. I would recommend the War Machines, as I said, yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm thinking actually more outside of Hartnell here. Um, uh, I mean, because it depends. Are we talking about what you can see or what you? No, can just hear? what your personal favourite. However I, geeky, I don't it doesn't know matter. I, I don't know. I, when I said earlier about what you can listen to, I don't know if you know. Yeah. Um, the fans actually recorded um every missing episode off their TV. Oh, set. Yeah, of course. So uh, yeah. yes. then that's yeah. how you have the audio. Yeah, exactly. Can yeah. you? I mean, it sounds a bit daft in hindsight, but like a lot of people did actually do that in them days. Like, I mean, a lot of Star Trek fans said they used to do that. You know, they used to record it off their TV set on the real. But that is that is the way you re- that is the way you relive it. Yeah, exactly. But obviously, Star Trek has survived. Um, a classic one. Mm. I have to give a favourite probably from each of the four classics that I like. Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of Peter Davison. Nothing personal, Peter. Well, to be honest, I'm not for me f- personally, he's the class doctor I connect with least. Although, again, it's nothing against I'm him. I'm not really a fan of Colin Baker. I think Colin Baker was wasted there. I think he had a lot of potential, but they gave him in the wrong costume. They gave him the wrong scripts. I mean... You know that he tries to it, strangle it, it, his it companion. Was a, yeah, it was a bit of, of a bit Sounds. of a mess. <laughs> and actually, for those who and do want to get into Classic Who, 
Uh, don't start with Colin Baker. And Colin Baker's great, but don't. It's hard to get into that era. So start with like McCoy, John Pertwee or Tom I Baker. I think Sylvester McCoy had potential, but the problem was with him. He was kind of like the butt of the series a little bit, in that the series was pretty much dying at that it point. Was, it was, and slowly, they kind of thought, oh, yeah. the heck, it's gonna die. Let's, we don't care. And Doctor he, Who was he, basically sort of shot in the head about 1985, and then yeah. and then oh. Doctor was slowly dying over the period, or maybe shot in the leg would be a better one, and was slowly dying over the period of the remaining you know few years, and then. Yeah, and then it finally got resurrected in 2005. So, thank you so much well, for listening to the unofficial Doctor Who fan podcast, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.